If you look up your bulletin, you'll find a uh, sermon outline. Today's sermon is going to be a little bit different. Um, I have three points. That's not unusual. But really, they're going to follow the order of the service. As a matter of fact, as a call to worship, we're going to look at that first point um, out of John. We're going to use John 6, 66 through 69 as a call to worship for us. And look at the life of Peter. Peter, this amazing follower of Christ who has a couple foibles that maybe you and I have. Hear God's holy and errant word is a call to worship. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. What is this? Well, Jesus had fed 5,000. He had given some amazing teaching that was pretty difficult sometimes to understand. And some said following Jesus wasn't worth it. So Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, did I not choose you, the twelve? And yet one of you is a devil. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. For he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. Let us pray. Father, we gather in your name by your grace as your children. And Lord, we ask that you would give us that which you require. It's amazing that God could do that. You require from us faith by your grace in your son Jesus. Father, we thank you for Peter. We thank you that as others walked away, he stood tall. As others decided to leave, he decided to follow and to stay. We thank you for these amazing words that he knew that Jesus held the words of eternal life. That he believed and he came to know that you, Jesus, are the Holy One of God. Father, would you send the Spirit of that Holy One into this presence so that we too can believe, so that we too can know, so that we too can obtain life. Come. Come boldly. Come powerfully. And speak. Because we desperately need to hear from you. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. The first thing we see about Peter is that Peter was a follower of Jesus, even when others left. Peter said, no, we have gathered this morning like Peter, because we believe also that Jesus holds the words of eternal life. That's why we're here. We're here like Peter, because we believe that eternal life comes from the one who says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And by God's grace and design, we too believe. And we are here today and gather today and we worship today. We worship Jesus. Not just to hear from Jesus. Not just to gather in His name. But we're here today to worship the God who reigns. Because what Peter said about Jesus was amazing. He said this, You are the Holy One from God. The One that was promised. The One that would come. God in flesh. You are it, Jesus. 
by God's grace, we gather and we worship him saying the same thing like Peter. We worship you, Jesus, because we believe you are the Holy One of God. Do you believe it? Do you know it? Let me tell you, if your heart right now is fluttering a little bit because the name of Jesus is being mentioned and you do know and love Him, you've committed your life to Him, you're a follower of Him, let me tell you why you are. It's all by God's grace. It's all because God has been gracious to you and has given you the eyes to see and the ears to hear and the mind to understand who Jesus really is. And we, like Peter, are able to proclaim, like in Matthew 16, this reality. When Jesus says, who do people say I am? We have the privilege as God's people giving grace from the Father that we get to proclaim, Jesus, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the one. You are the Son of the living God. What an amazing confession that we get to join with Peter and say that same thing. Like Peter, you are it. And if that's you this morning, if you are able to say, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Christ, and He's Savior of my heart, then you too, like Peter, believe. And as you believe, we are followers of Christ. Because we believe. Let's stand and sing. We read to start the service out of John 6. And when everybody else was leaving, Peter decides to follow. He makes such an amazing proclamation. No, 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 no. I believe and I've come to know. You're the Holy One of God. I know it. Last week we realized that Peter said that you have taught me, God, personally about your plan. We have Peter who says, Some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah, some say one of the prophets, but I say you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And now in Jesus' hour, in His time of giving His life, His time of need, if, if He ever needed a friend, if He ever needed one who would stand beside Him, Peter the follower, Peter the confessor, becomes Peter the denier. Not just once. Not just twice. But three times. To a, to a servant girl, this follower of Christ who boldly is able to proclaim great things now says, no, I, I don't know him. As a matter of fact, it says in Scripture that he called down curses. He basically said this, I swear to God I never met the man. Peter, the denier. Where does the rooster crow in your life? Where are those places in your life where you, the follower, become like Peter, the denier. It's been painful for me to realize that I have so much of Peter in me. I think like Peter, there's times of bold proclamation. Like Peter, there's deep love. 
And like Peter, there's times that I proclaim with my life, with my thoughts, with my deeds, I don't know Him. Where is it for you? Is it in your moral life? Is it in your business dealings? Is it in your marriage? Is it in the peer pressure of those around you? Where in your life are you ashamed to be called a Christian? Where in your life do your thoughts, words, or actions say, I don't know him? It's there. Because even in Christ, as those who love Him and have been rescued by Him, we have the propensity to wander, don't we? That flesh inside of us still raises its ugly head. I'm amazed that I could have the most blessed, quiet time for an hour with Jesus and then a few minutes later, act like the worst pagan. As a married man, I, in my life, I've wanted to make sure that as I come in contact with those around me, am I making it clear I'm married? Am I somehow hiding that reality in anything I do? I should be most proud in my spiritual life and in yours, are there places that you hide that reality? We're going to pray together. And I'm going to ask you to silently just ask God, where am I a denier? Maybe you already know. Maybe it's crystal clear. From some of you, maybe your self-righteousness is in the way. You don't see it. But we're going to take a moment and just pray silently where you are. Say, God... Where does the rooster crow in my life? Let us pray. Father, you know the truth about me. You know the truth about us. You know that we, like Peter, are deniers of the amazing grace and the amazing life that reigns in us in Christ Jesus. God, have mercy upon us. In Christ's name, amen.
Wow. Peter couldn't take the pain. Peter the follower. And Peter the denier. So he went back to that which he knew. He went back to fish. The Sea of Tiberias. The Sea of Galilee at Tiberias. Peter, such a leader, he took others with him. They said, we'll go too. And Peter, in the midst of his pain, in the midst of his denial, in the midst of his betrayal, he spends the night doing that which he's good at. He knows what comes naturally. You know, you know, you know those times in life where it just everything's wrong, you just want to be kind of in that robot, I'm just going to kind of go through the motions. He goes through the motions and he spends the night fishing as a fisherman. He doesn't catch a thing. In the midst of that futility, that pain wouldn't subside. Not one little fish that could help him take his mind off the reality of what he's done. When I recently went to Israel, it was at the place where I'm about to read that was the most emotional. Because where Peter gets restored is where the resurrected Savior was. And the forgiveness was real. And his sins had been paid. And life reigned And it was there that we have John 21, verse 15. Jesus appears resurrected again. He makes some breakfast for his disciples. They have such a haul of fish. He says, I know you can't catch anything without me. Throw the net on the other side. They get 153 fish in the Nets don't rip, and they recognize that it's Jesus. And Peter, who couldn't take the pain, couldn't wait for the ship, the boat, to get to shore. He's got to swim it himself. Have you ever been there? He's just got to get to Jesus as fast as he can. And here's what he finds in verse 15. When they finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John... Do you love me more than these? I don't know if it's the disciples. I don't know if it's the fish. More than anything, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Man, the pain. He said, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do do you agape? Do Do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. The pain, you you know that I'm broken. You know that I'm a denier. You know it, but you know I love you. Tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, You know everything. You know 
that this denier loves you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. You see, we had to have a follower of Christ who became a denier of Christ to really understand what it means to be a kingdom ambassador for Christ. You see, Peter had to go through that to understand the amazing depth of God in Christ Jesus. Peter doesn't get it. He doesn't get the grace of God. He doesn't get the forgiveness of God. He doesn't get the love of God until he stands before the one whom he denied. The one whom he pierced. The one whom he betrayed. And now has to be asked in the midst of the pain, do you really love me, Peter? And God in His grace was showing him that in the midst of your following, in the midst of your denying, it's going to be the love of Christ that's going to compel you, Peter, to follow me. It's going to be my love for you. You will not understand the depth of God's love until you understand the depth of your sin, the depth of your depravity. And God most graciously was allowing Peter to see that reality so he would see the depth of that love. We will never understand the depth of God for us apart from a cross. Apart from the tragedy of the sinless one becoming sin. Apart from the tragedy of the one who is innocent being torn. We will never understand the depth of God's love until we see the depth of our depravity and the amazing immensity of the love of God's Son on the cross. And then, by God's grace, we can become kingdom ambassadors when we know that we're free. And we know that we're loved. We know we're forgiven. Do we get it, Orangewood? God even uses our denying to show us His glory. And the magnitude of his love. So we don't have to live in the shame and take the blame he did. So we truly can be free to now live and serve him in freedom. Apart from guilt, all by grace. Because he took the pain. He bore the shame. And now in the midst we come to him and say, I get the love you have for me. You bled all over me. Recently had to go see a pastor friend of mine whose son was arrested. He said, I don't know how I could do this. I don't know how I'm supposed to go teach a parenting seminar. I'm supposed to go and stand up and tell others how to parent. And my own kid was arrested. I said, you don't understand. That's the kind of seminar we need to have. Because you've been there, you've seen the brokenness, and now you can lead with love and grace. Who wants to go to a parenting seminar that just produces perfect kids? We don't have any. We want to know something that's real and something that when you mess up and when your kids mess up, that there's a chance for forgiveness and grace and mercy, that we're all deniers. There's a story in the Bible about Simon the leper, and he invites Jesus to his house, and 
he doesn't show him a lot of attention. He doesn't wash his feet. He doesn't really give some common courtesy to him. He really kind of treats him like an outcast. And in this story, there's one who's a great sinner. And she comes and she weeps over Jesus' feet. And she, she anoints him with oil. And she's so broken. And Jesus says, listen, for those of you who have been forgiven little, guess what? You're going to love little If you think your self-righteousness gets you right with God, you're not going to really love God. Isn't it an amazing story that God's going to use our denying and our brokenness and magnify it in our lives so that we crumble before it, so he could show us the beauty of Jesus, and we can say, amazing grace. I am loved in the midst of this junk. Man, that's being set free. Peter would be led where he didn't want to go and would hang upside down on a cross. And the only way he could do that and endure that is if he knew the depth of God's love. Peter, do you love me? He now understood the kingdom. He now understood the cost. He now understood the grace. Do you? In John 6, Peter proclaims, We believe that you are the Holy One of God. That you, Jesus, have the eternal words of life. It's in John 6 that Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Jesus comes and says, I am the bread of life and I've come to be broken for the broken. I've come to shed my blood for the stained. I've come to give my life for the depraved. I've come to rescue the lost. I've come to give life to those who are dead. I've come to those who are far off and I'm going to bring you in. And I'm going to set a love on you and make you my child and joint heir in Christ. Do you know the depth of that love? Do you know the bread of life? Are you a follower of His? Are you a follower enough with enough reality to know that you have a propensity to be a denier? And do you see even your sin as an opportunity to God to show you grace in Christ Jesus? And let you hear again, you're forgiven. God has given you mercy. This meal is for those of us who are followers of Christ. It's for those of us who do realize we need to have this meal because we're deniers. It leaks out we got to be reminded. He said, do this meal, have this meal, and what? In remembrance of me. And remember what I did for you, that I bore your pain and your blame and your shame so you can be set free. This bread is my body, broken for you. This cup is my blood that has been shed for you to wash you, make you mine. Do this in remembrance of me. In just a few moments, we're going to come together as a family. Uh, There are four stations, I believe, uh, that you could go to um, when you feel ready to come. If if you are unable or unwilling at this time, you just want to sit, uh, we'll have some ushers, uh, some elders bring you the elements. Let's take a time together collectively just to prepare our hearts to say, Jesus, come and feed me today. Let's pray.